Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, folks. I would like to introduce myself. My name is Pyle. And I am a traveler who also loves to meet people. And I think a blend of both is where this concept of melting pot has come about. In my melting pot series, I will be talking to lots of inspiring people from different parts of the world and also from different cultures, whom I meet during all my travels. The common factor between these folks will be the desire to follow their passion and make it a way of life. So step into this melting pot and enjoy the chats. Welcome back to another weekly melting pot episode, a series of conversations with some very talented people who I feel are also change makers in their world. Today, I have a very, very special guest. She's talking to me all the way from London and her name's Nonita Kara. Nonita is a journalist, she's a writer, and she's an authority on everything I feel that's related to fashion, which is why I can understand how she's been a former editor and chief of Harper's Bazaar India, and also of Elle India. So in addition to all of this, I've noticed that Nonita is also hosting a podcast show, and the show is called Lakme Fashion Week Podcast. So hi, Nonita. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me and for navigating time differences, date preferences. I'm really excited to be part of a melting pot because I think that that's kind of the way the world has become. And we need the gentleness of a melting pot so that we all learn to melt together because there seem to be a lot of edges at the moment. So thank you for taking this initiative and helping us find ourselves. Oh, no, I'm happy that you we were able to navigate the time difference and, and have you on the show. So Nonita, of course, I'd like my viewers and listeners to know about you and your story. Did you always growing up think and believe that you were going to be a journalist or is it something that just happened? You know, I grew up reading and that's it. I mean, I had zero talents. I was one of those very unpleasant children who could neither sing or dance or be cute. I, I can't believe. <laughs> I was introverted and I had one talent. I could read. And I chain read even now. I obsessively read. And I never thought that I could do anything with it. I just wanted to read. I was reading Sartre and Camus very young, listening to Pink Floyd. So I was a horrible child. And I wanted to go abroad and study. I wanted to do international relations. I wanted to change the world. I wanted to cure world hunger. 
um, you know, the things that any idealistic 16, 18 year old wants to do. But the best thing that happened to me is that I got into college, but I didn't get a scholarship. And so dad said, give it a little bit of time and spend some time here in India. And I just applied to India today. They were looking for interns. The day I walked into office, it was like magic. You were being paid to play with words. You could write headlines. You could read copy. I couldn't believe that a job like this existed. So it was not a desire. I, I wasn't a typical reporter, but I think I was a writer that fell into this job. And we were in the copy desk and I got to play with sentences. And it started this love affair and this career that... 30 years later, I'm still doing and I'm still very much in love with. So sometimes the weirdest things happen by chance. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, they're meant to happen, I feel. So fashion, how, when you started out, um, was it with fashion or again, is that something that came to you later? So I started in I think I started my career in 1990. There were no fashion magazines. So I started with India Today and then on a whim moved to Bombay because I was in love with the city. I was absolutely in love with the city and I wanted to not grow up in Delhi where everybody knew your parents and your grandparents and it felt oppressive. So I moved to Bombay as a business journalist. I had the worst interview. I couldn't name five business houses in the country, but they were I don't know. I, I've always had the, the most incredible bosses. They gave me a chance. And I sort of walked into Bombay and I was a business journalist. And then I left because it wasn't right for me. At some point, I was covering the stock market. And I knew I was not an authority. And I was going to be, I, I just, I would wake up with nightmares thinking, I don't know enough. So my first boss at India today called me back and said, hi, I'm at the Indian Express. Would you like to start my features pages? And that's when we started like a page a day, a society page. We actually started the gossip columns, the great columnists, a television page, a film page. I was doing all of this thinking my life was perfect. When I got a call from Elle, now Elle had launched in 1996. This was in 2000. And I don't know what they saw in me, but they, they offered me this job. And I remember thinking, I'm not doing this. I'm a serious journalist. What am I going to do with fashion? But my boss at the time, Shekhar Gupta, who's legend, was one of the kindest, most extraordinary people. And this is where you need good mentors. He called me. Actually, he came to see me in Bombay. And he said, you have to take this job. He said, nobody makes you an editor of an international publication at 31. He said, you have to do this. And I started crying. I'm like, do you want me to leave? I love working with you. He told me, he said, go and make me proud. I don't know any other boss who would have done that. So I went and it, you know, I joined L in June 2000. I left in December 2012. I had the most fabulous time. I mean, you know, I worked with the most incredible people. But I think in a weird way, what I did with that job was decide to put the rigor of journalism into fashion. And it was just starting out. So I think that it was a really great opportunity. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, obviously, there was some something in you, which they saw, and which is why they decided to give you this opportunity. And I mean, it's incredible how someone says, please go and you know, you've worked with him for so many years. And then he says, go and fly and do something different. I think that's that's quite amazing. And again, it was I guess, meant to happen. You were meant to step into this, this world of fashion. And uh, I mean, the way you've 
stepped into it and the way you've you know worked towards you're probably one of the pioneers in bringing fashion to to India the way it is today do you think that it's evolved the way people look at fashion today versus when they did possibly in the 90s fashion has changed a lot and i wish i'd been around in the 90s you know because yeah onsom started i think in 89 there were all these great names rohit kosla tarun telyani they were they were doing what we did with the magazine in the 2000s they were fearless and you know when you're starting a new business you have to be absolutely fearless you so have to they, make mistakes uh, were they combining western and indian styles or when you say fearless what is it that they were doing different they were finding a modern indian sensibility and you know fusion is a word i really dislike mm. all of us are an amalgamation of many influences but a lot of fashion and if you look at japanese fashion the designers weren't redesigning the kimono you can't redesign the sari but say someone like a tarun tehlani was walking with the drape in different ways you would see it in a dress you'd see it in a blouse and we were Uh, we were finding a sensibility so in 2000 when i took over the magazine the most brilliant thing happened they launched the first fashion week and you were able to chronicle season and change and demand a conversation from designers that sort of followed the same parameters as it did globally right so there would be spring summer and fall winter and it was a magical time i, th- I mean you know you saw people like manish arora uh, rajesh pratap saying i i was sitting at sabya's first show and the magic i remember when we saw his first show we all went okay this is big he's going to be big rahul mishra's first first show so you know at that point you're starting the business there's this wonderful fearlessness and you're making mistakes So the communication in fashion was different you showed them how to wear something you explained it much more the role of an editor was your cool best friend right who didn't talk down to you but showed you how to do things certainly fashion has evolved now it's much more sophisticated i love that there are young you know fashion bloggers and influencers who are actually evangelists for fashion the real girl is also reinterpreting fashion at one point fashion very much belonged to a bunch of people who explained it to you now it belongs to everybody what i do, so it's light years ahead i think that we we match anything that happens globally i'll tell you what i find really interesting though i think clothes have become more boring there was a time when people experimented you know you had the sensibility the clean lines of a rajesh pratap the madness of a manish arora the tailored structured looks of uh, ashish soni you had payro you had you know a small shop now it's much more commercial and it's interesting i don't think it's a bad thing i think that maybe the business is growing up it's becoming more structured you have to make money to survive it's a lesson you're learning does it come at the cost of creativity maybe but i think you know it's cyclical you will you will be creative then you will be business smart then you will be creative because you made enough money to fuel the next renaissance put it back so it's in. very interesting to watch this yeah so what does fashion mean to you personally i'm really not trend driven for me it's very much about buying a piece i love and wearing it over and over again so i'm really happy that i have some things that i wore when i was 16 my clothes are about 20 years old so my style is very much the same 
So my personal style is very classic, almost boring, lots of rewear, reuse. But for me, fashion, if I'm to look at it as an outsider, what should it mean? I think fashion should be the language that we speak when we're talking about ourselves. It should be an intersection of politics and economics and larger concerns. So right now, fashion should be very political because we're going through a pandemic. We're going through a space where we're seeing our personal liberties being attacked. So right now, fashion should be political. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it in the, you know, in the logo T-shirts that come with messages. You're seeing it in the fact that street style has been upcycled. Say the trend of sneakers, it started as street style, but it's been upcycled into luxury. So it's a common conversation that's happening. So for me, fashion is it's very much the visual cinema of our lives and what goes on around us. It's not, it's not a really complicated answer, but I spend a lot of time thinking about it. No, I don't think it's complicated. You're absolutely right that it does. Yes, it's personal as well. And I think it reflects your personality to, to a certain extent in your choice of not just, it's not just clothes, it's, it's everything, right? It's the way you, the way you accessorize. If you're looking at it from that perspective, it possibly does reflect the kind of person you are. I mean, there are some people who are so conscious of, like you mentioned, trends, which you're not, and I am not conscious of trends at all. I think even for me, it's the comfort and I don't need to fit into something because it is, you know, it's the trend or it's the season or whatever. Uh, for me, I need to feel comfortable. And the moment I am comfortable, I'm also confident. So I think, I, I think it does. I mean, for me personally, if I'm not wearing something that I'm comfortable in, I, I will step out not feeling like, okay, I can go and rule the world, or so to speak, you know, so. I, I love that you say that. It, you know, it is, it is perhaps the most important thing about fashion and that you picked it up and then you put it so articulately is really important because I always tell people comfort is critical. So don't go out and buy something new. Wear an old dress. She's your best friend. You know her. Yeah. You know how it fits. You know what innerwear to wear. You know what accessories to wear. Especially now when we're we're talking about fast fashion and we know the cost of you know what fast fashion is doing to the earth. I think comfort is so critical. Your old clothes are your friends. You don't discard them. And I'm sure that that is a choice you've made yourself as well. I mean. Uh, how old is your oldest piece of clothing in your cupboard? I'd love to know. Several years old. I don't, again, I, I can't deny the fact that I do like clothes and I do, you know, I, I do go and every now and then feel like, okay, I want to pick up some new dresses or whatever it is. But it's not because I'm obsessed with it. And it's not because it's a must have. And I'm not even conscious of the fact that I need to wear an X brand or a Y brand just because. For me, I think it's more, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. And I think that's what, that, that's my comfort level. Um, and so, you know, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that it's, it's something that I've not, uh, I mean, hasn't been forced on to me. It just comes naturally. 
And, and do you choose clothes because they're going to last you a while? Isn't that always something that you think about? I mean, you must be picking up classics. I would, I, I would sense that you don't. Um, I mean, you'll pick up something that's trendy, but you're looking at owning it for a long time. Yeah, that's true. And again, trendy. If it, if it's not something that I feel confident with, it may be trendy, but I will not wear it because for me. I, Again, coming back to comfort equals confidence. And that's the way I feel. And that's, I mean, that's how I've always been. So, so yeah. So for me, accessories, I love. And I would, you know, and, and I love to, to accessorize. And I'm known for that amongst my friends and everyone kind of I noticed. teases me about it. But yeah, that's something that I do, do enjoy. And I feel that, you know, if, you're wearing something simple, but you accessorize it, it's styles. So I think we make, I mean, you're a fashion expert, but I mean, this is just my opinion that I think we uh, make our own style. And we, I think that's the way it is for me, at least. I'm not sure for everyone else, but that's how I feel. May I say that you are spot on? There is no such thing as a fashion expert. You are the expert for your life, for yourself. And that's what I tell people. There's a difference between fashion and style. Find your own style. Yeah. It's really, really critical that you find your own style. Then engage with fashion in a confident manner of knowing it, of, of taking what you want from it. You know, I have no problem with people who want to wear head to toe. One. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Brand, if that is their style. Let nothing be dictated by insecurity. And a lot of people blame fashion magazines and say, you make us insecure, you cause this. That's not true. A fashion magazine is actually a space for women to talk about their concerns and what they care about. Therefore, for example, the conversation on beauty is the most powerful conversation you can have. Red lipstick, it's a sign of power. Painting your nails is your choice. What you buy is your choice. Magazines curate for you a choice. You choose. If it doesn't work for you, reject with confidence, accept with confidence. But I think that women, we make ourselves insecure. Yeah. And I don't know what it is that does it, you know, and I've, I've worked with extraordinary young women. We have the ability to, to hate ourselves. There's a lot of self-loathing. We lack a lot of confidence in our bodies. And I always find it really fascinating that, you know, a man will look in a mirror and he only sees the good. 
And a woman looks in the mirror and counts a hundred things that's wrong with her. And I think it's partly pressure society puts on us, partly, you know, it's been the way we've been brought up. But mostly what I say very strongly is it's time for us to reject it all. I mean, it's 2021, for God's sake. Yeah. Let's celebrate ourselves. Absolutely. And you know, my sister has a little baby. She's 18 months old. And when Noor does something fabulous, she says Shabash to herself. And I was telling my friends, I'm going to do that. I'm going to congratulate myself all the time because we deserve to. Yeah. No. And that should be your relationship with fashion and people yeah. and life. Yeah. It's so personal. And that's that's how you need to to look at it and to absorb it and to, you know, like you're saying, to be confident within yourself. And that's the most important thing. Just wanted to talk to you a little bit about sustainability. And is it now becoming a very big conversation within the fashion industry? You're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me, Payal, on this very unique and special podcast series, Melting Pot. You know, it is the only conversation anyone is having. And thank God for it. Because I think it's foolish to pretend climate change doesn't exist. It's foolish to think that, I mean, you know, clothes are the number, fashion is the number two polluter. We know not only is it it's causing landfills, it's impacting biodiversity. Um, these are the conversations we've been having. So, of course, fashion is concerned. But I think what's more important than the word sustainability is responsible fashion. And we've touched upon it in a sense already. I get that we need to consume to support business. But yeah. at some level, we have to con consider the consumption. We have yeah. to consider this whole model. Fast fashion cannot exist anymore. Yeah. And the way fashion needs to exist is through rewear, reuse, recycle, repair. You know, and in India, we already have this system. When I stop wearing something, I pass it on to somebody else. I give it to a young woman who's just started work. We we rough our clothes. We fix them. We we will take an old you know curtain and make it into a bed cover or cushions. We'll take our mother's saris and it exists in Bombay. There's a chindi bazaar where they repick the fabric and remake it. This is what we need to do. And sensible brands are doing it. But at, at some point, the conversation has to stop pushing consumption. It has to be about recycling. And in India, it needs, I get that businesses need you to consume, but we all have to re, reorient ourselves in the consumption. And so, you know, pre-loved, it, it's going to be very, very important. It's taking off already. I think designers need to go back, look at their collections and say, okay, how can I repurpose this? And it's going to change the way businesses function. But in the long run, if you're kind to the environment, businesses are more oh, successful. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, overlooking so saying that, yeah. so you're saying that it is getting, it is something which is being addressed in India as well. And, and, and probably before, uh, because like you mentioned, people have already been recycling and you know and, and and I'm aware that if there are so many people in need 
And if it's something that you, you can't or you don't want to wear anymore, you can very easily, there's so many people who would absolutely happily want to wear it. So that anyways is um, something which does happen. And so, so you think that the businesses and the designers are actually looking at? They really are. And I'll tell you, for example, I go back to the example of someone like Tarun Tehliani. Now, when he sells the Olenga, A, he's changed his price points. He's using lighter fabrics. He'll give you six ways to wear it again. You know, let's not forget that the Great Indian Wedding is a huge thing. We love our bridal. We love its architecture. There's a celebration in it. And I don't want to be a killjoy who says, you know, wear old clothes, don't enjoy life, don't celebrate. It's We've been through a pandemic. We need the joy. But yeah. it's how you buy as well. And we, we, we've already touched upon it. When we select something, you and I select something that's going to last us for a long time. Even an impulse buy, our conditioning is such. Not only are we buying differently, designers are presenting different. And I see this happening with designers. What I don't see is fast fashion brands doing this enough? There's there's tokenism that we have a, you know, we're considering this and this is organic and this is, and I'm like, no, no, no. Stop making so much. Stop telling me I can come and throw my old clothes and I'll get a discount on new clothes. Talk to me differently. Mm. It's up to them to drive this conversation differently. And because and that's what I, I want, you know, there are enough places where you can give the clothes to. Yeah. While I'm saying that, you know, we can fuel economies differently. There are orphanages, there are schools, there are countries. You can, because they do need the clothes. It's so skewed. Some of us have too many clothes. Some people don't have clothes to wear. And this is where I have this argument. I'm like, I get sustainability. I get we should consume less, but clothing is a basic need. Fast fashion companies need to change the way they approach it. But smaller designers, more evolved brands, they've all changed their conversation. Denim brands, they're looking at making, you know, denim out of recycled plastic. My only thing is, I wish there wasn't that much plastic that they needed to use it to make it. Correct, yeah. You know, we need to address a lot of things. But what I find extraordinary, and I was a, a judge for the Woolmark Prize and I think 2017 or 18, and it's a global prize. Every young designer, every collection was sustainable. Young people will save the world. We have ruined it for them. Yeah. They are taking it back. They need to save it from us. Yeah. And that's why you need a Greta Thunberg. Yeah, but I think the young people also feel that we are putting too much responsibility on them because we think that, okay, we've ruined the world. Now you guys take over and you have to, you're you're the ones who are going to help recover. And so they feel a lot of pressure. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people. I agree. You know, we've put too much pressure on them. We've screwed it up for them as well. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I, so all I tell people and, you know, the one power that you have is that you can send smarter, brighter children out into this world. I can't change a lot of my peers. Yeah. But you can help and, yeah. and you can educate smarter, brighter young kids. And I, I have a lot of hope in the coming generations. Yeah. I, I find them extraordinary, especially the women. Yeah. They're so confident. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they are... Uh, they, they seem to 
their life seems to have a purpose and they are working towards it, which is so incredible. And I feel that we, for some reason, we missed out on that opportunity. But anyways, hopefully... I'll disagree <laughs> with you on that. I will disagree really? with you really strongly. I've worked with so many people, my age, older than me, younger than me. Everybody has a purpose and we fulfill it. And honestly... I, I've spent my whole life working and I've only met extraordinary people. So, no, I don't think our generation lacked purpose. Everyone evolves, you know. Let me say this. When I started work or you started work, it was difficult for women to have a full-time career. But we did that. We paved the way for other young women to have careers or to not get married or to not have children and to tell society, you can't ask me this. I will decide for myself. That's the fight I had. And I think that that's what, you know, our generation of women did. We made working and um, we made having a choice normal. Yeah. You, yeah. You do have a point there. Yeah. Okay. I take my words back. Congratulate <laughs> yourself. Celebrate yourself. No, I mean, I've always celebrated myself because I've always gone out there and done exactly what I've wanted to do because I, I believe that, you know, there's nothing that is not achievable. You just have to put your mind to it. You have to put your effort into it and, and your belief. And if you do that, everything is attainable. So, I mean, that's, that's my mantra and I absolutely live by it. You have led by example and that's the, this is the purest, most true thing to do. Yep. Totally. I agree with you. Yeah. Yep. What about a little bit, you know, before we kind of wind down this conversation, you know, there's a lot of fashion week all over the world. And is it something which, and which have attracted a lot of engagement, but is it something after this pandemic that we're going to see less of, or is it something which will continue but on a different scale uh, the conversations will be different so the, the role of fashion week is actually and it's really integral to for, for designers it's a platform for designers of that country to show their work it's a place not only for buyers to come and to buy from them and place orders it's a place where a consumer also gets to see their thought process it's their showcase it's wonderful you know what it's done for the indian fashion industry the fact that we were able to have our own fashion week with our own designers the fact that smaller countries have them it's a great opportunity for local fashion to have its moment to shine during the pandemic everything went digital they did some beautiful films so you saw a whole new bunch of talent coming out and what i celebrate in that is a whole new career opportunity for videographers for people in the digital space for young people to explore new avenues for clothes though i really really feel it's important to touch and feel i think that when we can it will go back to a part digital because digital allows you to break borders for communication you can reach so many more people but equally i think what we've all missed the most in this pandemic is human contact touch and feel yeah. so that aspect will come and if clothing has to be treated as valuable the luxury of touch and feel is critical for you to touch something buy something special buy one not a hundred, right? Yeah. Online, you're buying, you can't tell, you can return. There's no engagement. 
by yeah. all of this touch and feel. I think that that intimacy, intimacy will never become unimportant. But what will happen is that the conversation will multiply through digital. The conversation will be carried forward more democratically by many more people. And I think this global arena will become accessible to more designers because they won't need to all have the same format. What's going to happen is, and I call this the great cultural renaissance, I think we're going to break our normal way of thinking. Already people are saying, you know, you're, you're already rejecting someone who says, but we always used to do it this way. There's no always, there's no used to. The world has upended. So I see a whole lot of new, but I think we've got to understand one thing. Not everything old was bad. Human contact was lovely. Time with family was beautiful. Emotion, intimacy, honesty, sensitivity, integrity. They're going to survive. And those can't change. So I think fashion weeks will not die. You, they will change formats. You will see, you, you know, already there's a see now, buy now. You're not waiting for that six months. Some people are. What's going to happen is there's going to be democracy and people will get to choose what works for them. I think that being dictated to is going to end some level yeah interesting yeah there's always i mean there's always change right for whatever reasons but there's always every few years there's something there's a different way of looking at things and i guess this is so it's an opportunity for a lot of people to engage with but at the same time it's the human as you, as you mentioned, when it comes to clothes specifically, you know, the touch and feel of it and the human contact is, is still going to be there, but at, at a different level and to a different degree now, which, yeah, I guess is, is the way it is. And, you know, we just have to, to go with it and see what happens and try and yeah, it's been really interesting talking to you and I've, I've really had a lot of fun. And I've also, you know, I've also learned, like I was saying to you earlier, that every conversation that I have, I, I'm learning something different, looking at things from a very different perspective, which I may not have thought of. And of course, the person that I'm talking to, my guest is always, you know, they, it's, it's, what they're doing, which makes it so special. And for me, I'm just providing a platform for them to be able to voice and, and tell everyone their story. So that's, that's really my role in it. And um, I've really enjoyed this. So thank you so, so, so much, Nonita. Thank you very much. I just have one request. Next time I'm going to interview you. <laughs> Because I want to hear a lot of your stories. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, let's set a date and I'd be happy to share with you my my little life. You know, you've, you've encompassed a lot. So, and you've achieved a lot. So have I, but it, on a different level. So, yeah, I'd love to talk to you. So let's do this soon. Set a Thank date. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with somebody like you. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Nonita. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nonita. 
For more weekly chats, do listen to Melting Pot on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Follow us on YouTube and on Instagram at Podcast Melting Pot. Until the next episode, this is Pyle signing off. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.